Welcome to the Critical Conversations podcast, hosted by two critical care nurses who are doing things differently. We're here to discuss our healthcare system, why preventative health is so important to us, and what you can do about it. What if we told you you had the power to change the trajectory of your life? Would you do it? Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode number three of the Critical Conversations podcast. This is Bree. And this is Laura. And we are so happy to have you guys as part of our community. It's only the third episode and we're already starting to get such great feedback. Um, Today is March 5th. I know when you're listening to this, it'll be a few days later, probably a week later or so. And today is the day that we officially uploaded our podcast to iTunes. And there's been a handful of you that have already reached out to us with feedback and just inspiring us and motivating us to keep going so thank you thank those keep those messages coming and make sure and subscribe and plug in a review on itunes if you have the time it would mean the world to us Um, on a very exciting note we are excited to announce that laura and i both will be speaking at an event in phoenix arizona on april 29th and that event is called she day it's hosted by the girls behind shechangeseverything.com You can check it out. Go to shechangeseverything.com and there's a banner at the top of that page and you can check out the details around She Day. Um, Join us. It's an all-day women's wellness event. Um, She stands for Sustainable, Healthy, Ethical. And Laura and I will be speaking on a panel with one of the uh, girls that is also a registered dietitian and we're going to just be diving into our health journey and our food freedom and the story behind that. And we would love to see you there. So join us. And we're so excited. We're excited to have you. And Laura and I are going to dive into this next topic here, um, a topic that I know we both get a lot of questions about. And Laura herself has been talking about the differences between different doctors lately. So yeah, go ahead. Actually, you guys were the ones that when I put it on an Instagram vote, overwhelmingly voted for this topic as a confusing point. And I think it. I think it really is. Wasn't it like ninety five percent of people said they were confused? It was a lot of people. Crazy. Um, I think over six hundred people voted for this topic. So we are going to be talking about how to set up a wellness visit, what it looks like, what you need to think of, and all of the different people that you could possibly go to to see um, as a preventative measure and kind of get where you are right now and kind of gauge gauge that and get some panels done and get some blood drawn and, um, and just kind of go through who does what, um, who might work for you. And overall we, we were trying to do is encourage you to actually go and get a wellness visit completed. Right. A lot of times it gets so confusing. And I know the last episode, um, we both were talking about how going to the doctor is actually in our definition of preventative health. It's not to be overlooked. Going to the doctor is probably one of the first places you should start. So you kind of know where your baseline is. And I think it's a little, sometimes the thing that people only do when they're starting to have symptoms. I know I did that and I regret it. I wish I would have gone sooner. Laura won't let me forget it. You know, and I, and I was lucky enough to um, be exposed to lots of people who, who did only go to a doctor when they fell ill. Um, and so I learned by example of what not to do. And I went and, and wanted to get a baseline, um, while I was healthy and while I felt like I was doing really well. Um, and looking back, even at those 
blood panels that were done when I was 21, my cholesterol levels and stuff, I was able to adjust significantly. Even when I thought I was doing well, there's a lot of room for adjustment to make myself even healthier. So um, it should be used as a tool and a doctor is not your guardian of your health. You are the guardian of your health. You are absolutely person in charge of your health um going to a doctor is a tool and is a consult to help you maintain and achieve your best outcome um so we're gonna just kind of start off by discussing obviously you're gonna be going to a doctor um or a health practitioner i should say not necessarily a doctor um and there's a lot of people to choose from and so who do you choose um we're going to, I'm just going to open up with some ideas of people. So there is your classically Western medicine doctor, med school, your MD. Um, and then right under line of those in the same kind of vein is a PA, which is a physician's assistant. They go to school for two years um, and it's a master's degree. You have an NP, which is also a master's degree who they were nurses and they decided to continue going with their education and become a nurse practitioner. Both a PA and an NP are prescribers and can be used as um, a wellness visit if you... And by prescriber, you mean they can write prescriptions, yeah. correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I sometimes need to be told to bring <laughs> it back down. Um, I'm usually pretty good about it, but especially when I'm talking to Brie, I know that she knows what she's talking about. And so I will try to do my best. And thank you, Brie, for kind of correcting me on that. Yeah. Um, so NP, PA, and MD are all of that? your classically like Western medicine trained uh, practitioners. So what you'd find in a hospital, what you'd find at most clinics, um, and what most insurances will in, will definitely cover. Um, then you have naturopathic uh, chiropractors. Um, you can be a naturopathic doctor and or you could do both and be a chiropractor. Um, you could only do chiropractic uh, medicine. So there's different kinds of naturopathic kind of um, just alternative medicine that isn't always covered by insurance, but sometimes is. So if that's a problem for you, those two, you might you can just check and see if they are covered or not. Right. I know personally that was a thing I avoided yeah, for a while yeah. because it's, it's the cost. It can yeah. be prohibitive. So um, it just depends on, on what you're looking for and what kind of insurance you have. Some insurances actually do recognize those people as valuable. Um, not that they aren't invaluable if insurances don't cover them, but um, it definitely does change who a lot of people feel like they can go to. And then a DO is a more up-and-coming um, title. It's a doctorate of osteopathic medicine. Um, and are frequently found and utilized in the same way as an MD, PA, NP, um, but they go to school as long as an MD. So they have the kind of same schooling background as an MD. Yeah. And that's a doctor that even I am not all that familiar with. I am starting to see those letters (laughs) pop up more behind people's names. It's very Um, new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are, that's kind of the wide variety of doctors that we can see. Um, but I would say from my experience being the one working in the ER, which is also utilized similar to like an urgent care for a lot of people, sometimes people don't really seek out care or even go to see a doctor until they end up in an urgent care in an emergency room with a problem. And then from there they tend to seek out 
primary care afterwards as like follow-up plan and things like that. So that's kind of one thing I wanted to speak on the difference of like the medical doctor in the primary care office and the medical doctor in the emergency room are both medical doctors, but they're going to pay attention to your health differently and pay attention to the long-term outcomes of what you're doing and how your body is progressing. So a lot of people will go to an ER because they're having acute symptoms like abdominal pain or vomiting, or maybe they just have a really bad respiratory infection. They go to the doctor and the ER doctor might run a whole bunch of lab work. They might do a CAT scan or an x-ray and we will legitimately discharge you from the ER telling you that everything is quote unquote fine. But that's just around the symptoms that you're having. And a lot of times you still want to follow up with a primary doctor to look into it deeper, take another look at your lab, see if there's anything else that can be addressed. Yeah, that isn't, that is an acute situation and that is not um, what we are really talking about today, but it's definitely good to discuss that that, that's not really considered um, a wellness visit. It is outside of the norm. So that's going to the ER to have something acute, meaning urgent, taken care of and looked Mm -hmm. at and addressed. Um, And it's definitely important to follow up and have somebody have somebody who kind of knows your base values while you're health so we can healthy so we can just determine what has gone wrong and where you previously were yeah a lot of times when I'm in the ER and I'm discharging patients I try to encourage them like just because we're not we didn't find the source of the problem doesn't mean you should give up just because the lab work shows that everything's fine like continue seeking that out and I think that is kind of where this conversation is going and that's why we're having it just because you've had that one exam well no you're you're unfortunately right with actually and I was this is not something I would even wrote down to like think about or talk about today but since you're talking about it it's it's true and you see it and you're talking about it because it is your world that mm-hmm. people tend to use the er like completely misuse it because they don't since our focus as a country has not been on prevention and it's not been on maintaining wellness um people don't have established relationships with primary care doctors um, right and so they have more and more people have been tending to use the ER as their primary care to go and get prescribed an antibiotic if they have like strep throat or something instead of utilizing a primary care office for that. And so there is a lot of crossover there, which is what you're basically saying. Yeah, I think and I think it's just so prevalent in my world. And I think whether it's ER or urgent care, I think it's used the same mm-hmm. way. And sometimes people will get those basic tests and they are told that everything is quote unquote fine. But that's why we're here because we're te- we're encouraging you to like dig a little deeper. You we know, want you to take back keep, ownership. Keep pursuing, yeah. yeah. Keep pursuing the answers to the symptoms you might be having or the feelings that you're having that are hard to kind of pinpoint. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to add on that we didn't actually discuss when I was kind of just throwing out the labels of different people that you could see um, is that there is a newer um, like add on to a lot of these things that we haven't discussed. And I've discussed a lot on my personal Instagram account and it's something that I'm actually very interested in. And it's somebody I recently also saw. So, um, there's a new, uh, kind of deeper dive into holistic. That's kind of an add on for MDs, DOs, PAs, NPs, 
even chiropractic doctors. And it's called integrative medicine. And there's um, there is a few different places that you can get more information online, but they do. It's a test and there's it's a whole different thing that they have to go through to kind of get that integrative medicine attached to their name. So the difference between integrative um mindset versus your classic western medicine trained doctor who would be your primary care doctor sure um or somebody you'd find in the hospital it's it's the most common doctor is an md um anyway what you would find that's different is that a common doctor that brain i typically work with in the hospital we are they're trained to ask one question really is what what's wrong um, why are you here? What's wrong? Like, what are your symptoms? And they address those things and they frequently are trained and it's what we do is, um, mask symptoms. So we give, we say, Oh, your blood pressure's high. Let's give your, let's, we're going to give you an antihypertensive. We're going to give you something that's going to bring your, a pill that will bring your blood pressure down. Yeah. And that's not wrong. It'll, it'll fix the numbers. Yeah, that, it'll fix the appearance of the blood yeah, pressure. Yeah. And that's not wrong. Actually, that's really useful, especially in like preventing stroke and preventing a lot of other bad things that could happen um, from a high blood pressure or high sugar or anything that else is, that is symptomatically wrong. It's not wrong right. to treat the symptoms. The difference between that and integrative is that integrative set then begs the question, why? Why is this happening? This isn't normal. What's going on? What has led us to this point? And then tries to address root cause. Um, it's so much more holistic. It is. Just and a, a wider perspective. And it's really interesting because I don't think that there's any doctor who would say that they're intentionally not addressing that. They just simply... Are over, they're swarmed with sick individuals. If you remember our statistics from last conversation, 34% of the country are pre-diabetic and 70% of the country is of adults are overweight or obese. Right. Um, so we are, are swamped. We are drowning in our own, in our own chronic illnesses. And it's actually putting a huge stressor on the medical system and, and a lot of times it's because that pill was given and it fixes the appearance of the problem. And then it doesn't address no... the root cause. Right, yeah. right. So I just wanted to throw that out there because there is this kind of a new immersion of something called integrative slash functional, it depends on who you talk to, medicine that is begging the question why and its goal is to get to the root cause while addressing the fact that your health isn't just one thing, it's all of you. So your life and every aspect of it will play into your disease. I love that. I think you said that really well. Um, yeah. So the, so we just want to kind of bring this to your attention. And we're going to kind of dive into what a once you pick your person, which ultimately it doesn't matter to us who you pick. We just want you to find somebody to go to and have a conversation about your health and your goals and um, pick somebody, <laughs> but we want yeah, to kind of draw think... out what, what your first visit should look like and the things that you, maybe you should ask for and the normal things that should be done during that visit. Right. And most of the time I think it's easiest to see just a typical Western medicine, normal 
primary care physician. Like just start there because most insurance plans, they assign you to somebody or you can look up who's in your area and kind of see what is most convenient for you. Just start there, especially if you have an insurance plan that covers it because you can start to get information and just have that conversation. And if you feel like you need more from there, that's when you kind of expand based on what they're evaluating. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and a word of mouth, if you have a friend that has somebody that they would feel really comfortable with, that's perfect too. And then we're going to help you kind of just, if you want to jot down some stuff where you guys can come back and listen to it later, but we're going to help you kind of, um, learn how to be in the driver's seat of your primary care visit and your wellness visit so you can get the most out of it, um, and feel really comfortable and feel really encouraged and kind of empowered to be your own advocate. So Laura and I totally have kind of a behind the scenes advantage because we have interacted with doctors for so long on so many levels just because of our career. And we understand why doctor's visits are as fast as they are. A lot of people get frustrated, especially with the Western medicine doctors, that they don't feel like their doctors are able to give them enough time. And that's not entirely their fault. It's just kind of the way the system has been set up for them to see their patients. And that's why we're having this conversation. That's why Laura is so adamant about wanting to make sure you're prepared for the visit so you get the most out of the time that you have. Mm -hmm. When you see the Western medicine docs, like what would you say, Laura? It's like (laughs) maybe 10 minutes when you're in the room with a typical visit. I would say that's probably, especially if it's a wellness visit, it's probably accurate. So I would say it's about 10 minutes long, especially if you have no questions. If you've just come in, it's going to be... Right. If you have no questions or symptoms, what's going to happen is they're going to come in. They're going to ask you a few questions. They're going to take, there's going to be a, a probably an, either a nurse or a tech that comes in and does your vital signs, so your blood pressure, your heart rate, um, and your temperature and probably gets your weight. And then they'll come in and they'll say like, what, what did you come here for? Is there anything going on? They might ask you about your family history. So if you on my phone, this is a true story. I'm I have to like pause for myself here because I'm like cracking up at myself. <laughs> I have a note full of my family history. So like, because I'm guys, I'm a, you. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a closet nerd. Like I, I am. So I have like my paternal side, my maternal side, and like aunts, uncles, um, who has had breast cancer, who has had what have you. And that way I already have it written down because that's something that they always want to know. Um, it kind of is determining risk factors. And then if you're a woman, they'll ask you about your last pap smear. They'll ask you if you've had any pregnancies, if you are deciding that you want to become pregnant soon, because all of that will have, will have a lot to dictate about what kind of labs they draw and what your health goals are for the year. Um, but then, yeah, if you don't have any questions ready, like you're done in 10 minutes. So it's usually an hour wait for a 10 minute visit. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it's just the way the system has been set up and it's, you just have to make the most of it. So you having all that stuff written down in your phone, that's awesome. (laughs) 
I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I can't even open. That's a big takeaway, though. That allows the doctor to understand like where your risk factors are. Because some people, some their family has no cardiac history, no obesity history, no diabetes history, but their cancer risk is crazy high. Maybe like ten people have had cancer in the family. Like, and it allows the doctor to kind of target, be able to target yeah. what they might need to make sure they're not overlooking yeah. when they're talking to you. Yeah, and then your personal health goals. I, I think that it's really important. So when you do go in to make the most use of your time, take a list of your questions, take a list of concerns. Um, even it, but not too many. I'm going to be honest with that. Oh, like not too many. Yeah, I mean, you don't you need know? to write a book. Because they will, like, it, yeah. But if you've lost, <laughs> I don't know how you've to lost significant that. weight without trying to in the past month, that's notable. Or if you feel... Or gained a lot of weight within the last month. That's notable, yeah. If you're super cold all the time or um, just anything that's very off, it's worth mentioning. If you have headaches, it's worth mentioning. Like, there's lots of things that are worth mentioning. Um, And even if you don't go through them all, write them down so you you have a resource when they're sitting there and they're like, do you have any more questions? Every single time, I kid you not... Somebody asks me if I have questions and I am a nurse and I am experienced at this and I haven't written it down, I blink. Right. Most people do. So that would be my biggest takeaway for you guys. Yeah. And from there, they're just going to want to do basic labs, basic tests. If you truly are having certain symptoms they might order imaging of some sort but usually just for a primary care visit it's just going to be the basic lab lab panel that's really standard for everybody um Free, what is and the basic ing- lab panel <laughs> blood work what kind of blood, blood work, work that they do um looking for infection looking to make sure that your blood levels are stable like making sure that you're not anemic having low iron or low hemoglobin levels um looking at your electrolytes your main organs your kidneys your liver um cholesterol it will always be a part of a panel at the primary care doctor um and is that really it for yeah it really is they do what they call a cbc which is like your red blood cells your white blood cells and what it's just your comment it's your normal blood panel and then you have chemistry that tells you your vitamin your k your vitamin k they don't think they even do vitamin b's on that one it's just a pretty pretty basic chemistry panel shows sodium it shows calcium it shows your normal stuff what we consider normal yeah um, and I'll just include it actually doesn't go function, into vitamin D, function. which vitamin D is really important for women too. So, um, I would say vitamin D should always be checked. And then it, and then they, they always do, uh, um, cholesterol levels always. So you won't have to ask about that. Thyroid is only checked if there's something off or you're symptomatic. Hormonal panels right. are not checked unless asked, and they will not. Ch- they will push back if you're taking birth control. If you're taking any hormones, they're going to tell you that it's not worth getting. So hormonal panels otherwise won't be checked unless there's something going on, which I'm going to now, that's kind of a good diving point off into the fact that there's differences to the different doctors that I mentioned to begin with. So if you just want a very basic wellness panel, which I encourage everyone to have and with it's honestly where I started. I didn't know anything about anything except for the normal like hospital world when I graduated from, from nursing school. I got my chemistry panel, my CBC. I, they checked my thyroid because I was working night shift and it was screwing me up. 
Um, and then they checked like my blood pressure, heart rate, all of that, all my vitals. Um, and that was basically it. And I went over the list of medications, which is something that you should go over with anybody you see, including not just your prescribed medications, guys, but every single supplement that you have decided to take because they interfere with medicines and they interfere with each other sometimes. Yeah, that's so huge. So it's that is something that you should be taking in. So write down a list of every single thing that you've decided to take or you take on a normal basis, or even if it's just occasional, because if you're, it's interfering, um, <laughs> there's a few things that I know that people have been wanting to take or are taking, and they're on the pill, they're on the birth control pill, that actually interfere with the effect of, how effective the birth control is. So take that in, show whoever you decide to see what medicines you're on, because it's really important that it's unique and working for you yeah and rather than just like bringing in a big bag of bottles and vitamins and stuff like take time to write it down so that it's clear if they can add it to your chart in your system because it truly can like you said it can interact with birth control pills certain supplements can increase bleeding they can do different things that it, it can or it can even shift it might be a diuretic it could shift your potassium level it could alter your kidney function or your liver function like all those are worthwhile for the doctor to know that those are in your system so that if the blood work is abnormal they'll be able to kind of go backwards and see what you might have been putting in your system um, that could have caused that. And I think Laura and I have talked about this again and again. Like We don't talk about the supplements we take publicly on Instagram because our health story is our own, and we don't want to encourage anybody to take certain supplements. But a lot of supplements are advertised either on TV or on the internet, right? Like there are companies that will contact me to say that they want to ha- they want me to try oh, yeah. and supply yeah. me with vitamins that are unique to me, which I then say right. back to them, how do you know I need them? It's it's irresponsible. And you promoting them is so irresponsible so for the person listening to you. It's so it's so irresponsible and we know it is because we are aware of how it could hurt you. And that is not our goal. Our goal is to let you, encourage you to be as healthy as you can. And sometimes that means taking supplements and sometimes it means to avoid them. Right. And I can't And only truly taking supplements if you need them, if you've been told you have a deficiency in something or because you work night shift and you need extra adrenal, like adrenal support or stress support in your body. Like those, this is why we want you to go to the doctor. This is why we want you to know what your baseline is, because if you're taking supplements and vitamins and different things blindly, long-term, those things can cause damage too. And that's, I think, where the risk is, especially with, like, the new Instagram fad of supplements and adaptogens. And I know a lot of people have asked us to talk about adaptogens as, like, a whole episode in itself because they seem cool and popular, but you have to know even what you're mixing, like, what you're taking and why, but also what's the interaction between one supplement and another. Right, and I actually don't mind discussing supplements in a general manner and just kind of saying why things might be used for different things, but I would never tell, recommend anything to anybody without knowing their whole health history, what they're currently taking, and, like, and their blood work. Like, I can't, I, I could never speak to that. So right. that's why when you, 
And I still get it. I still get people who are like, but I, I promise, like, I just want to know. I'm like, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot in good conscience give that information to you. Tell you what you're taking. Yeah. I can't. I can't be like, this is what I'm taking for it. Because you might say you have the same thing as me, but how do you know that your cortisol is 300% higher in the morning? Like, that's, <laughs> that's a ridiculous statement. You've never had these things done. So, right. Anyway, moving on to the differences again between each person is um, the people that will spend the most time with you are naturopathic doctors, chiropractic, and integrative medicine doctors. And it's because it's because they're seeing the value in it and they're not confined to a Western medicine pushed approach. Um, a lot of Western medicine doctors don't wish that upon themselves. They don't want to be in a push reproach. It's not a word. Um, <laughs> what are you trying to say? They don't want to be in a, in a pushed, like confined time spirit period. They want to be able to spend time with you, but they're unable to. So naturopathic, chiropractic, and most integrative medicine doctors, even if they're MDs, usually kind of run their practices differently um, because they, they can, because they're not necessarily yeah. under the same rules and regulations. I think they have that they have that advantage I think for multiple reasons one because not everybody is seeking out a naturopathic integrative functional medicine doctor um, insurance also doesn't cover a lot of doctors in that realm right now I know it's transitioning but the cost is a big factor so I don't know if this is true but maybe they're able and have that time available right now because their patient population is also lower um, but the way they practice they truly care about those in-depth questions so much that I think that even if they get maxed out they will allow themselves to get maxed out on a certain number of patients and always make that extra time to have those deeper conversations especially that first visit I know when I saw my naturopath for the first time, I sat in that office for two and a half hours. It blew my mind how in-depth we got and how interested he was in my health history. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a completely different approach. I went to my first um, integrative medicine doctor a few months ago, and he's actually a chiropractic doctor who has gotten the integrative medicine training that I really liked and I actually would love to get myself Um and she ordered me all these different labs that uh, a lot of people wouldn't order me. <laughs> and she sat with me for an hour talking about what are my health goals? Okay, this is a wellness visit. What is your next goal for the next two years? Um, what are we looking at? What are your symptoms? And like gave me the power back. And she's like, she goes, you are the patient and you are the best doctor for you. And I tell that to everybody because you know yourself well, which no one's ever actually said to me before at a doctor's office, um, what do you feel is off? What do you feel is right? right? And then sent all my meds or all my labs off. And then we, I came back and we talked about my labs and she went over every single thing and then a game plan and then a time that we'd be meeting again for 45 minutes. Um, so that's the difference in the level of care. Does everyone need that? No. Yeah, exactly. 
The detail is in-depth for a reason because usually when you're seeking out naturopathic or functional medicine doctors, it's because you are still having symptoms that the Western medical approach was not able to address. I think that's kind of the main difference is they do get in-depth and more detail because they're looking deeper to find that solution for you when all the like surface-level stuff wasn't effective. Yeah. At least that was my perspective, and that's why I went to a naturopathic doctor, because of symptoms I was having that weren't being addressed properly or fixed or reversed. Brie, how many doctors did you see before you went to a naturopathic doctor? Within a time span (laughs) of six months, I saw five different doctors. (laughs) And to be completely fair, there's there's plenty of MDs, PAs, NPs, like you name it, you probably would have listened to Brie, but were they around where she needed them? Pro- they weren't. Right. She, they weren't the ones that she went to. So she ended up going to a naturopathic doctor who looked at things through a different lens. Yeah. And that was the game changer. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Laura and I were both trained in a bachelor's of science nursing program in big universities and had this in-depth training to be nurses. And both of us received very minimal nutritional education. And I wanted to touch on this sooner And it just kind of came up right now for me that doctors are the same way. They get a ton of in-depth training in the medical field to this cellular level of every diagnosis, every disease process, every lab value, every medication you take. Like their training is, yeah, it's insane. insane. And we're not disregarding, and I think we've kind of talked really lightly about them. We're not disregarding their knowledge. And their scientific oh knowledge gosh. base it's is absurd. huge. Doctor, but they're so they're so smart. They have so much education. That being said, and they don't yeah, have it's a like lot a, of it's education a on nutrition. Right, and they and a lot of that goes back to how they were trained. They weren't trained. It wasn't brought up in school, and it wasn't part of their process because the Western medical system looks at symptoms and finds the diagnosis and then treats the diagnosis usually with medication and that's just kind but that's of that's because the way the it's always works. been like that it's only right. yeah it's only it starting to change right now um and i think that we'll actually be seeing a lot of changes in the up and coming years but including my husband who is a physician i will ask everybody else who are physicians and it's been really interesting to me recently and i know a lot of doctors personally and i can tell you that I have not talked to one yet who has received an entire semester, like a whole class worth of nutrition. Right. It hasn't existed yet. Because nutrition was never looked at. Food was never looked at as medicine. Food was never looked at as the cause of the problem because food food has only changed so recently that forever food truly was not part of the problem until I would say the last 30 years like it's it's been drastically different within the last century things have shifted with the you know the industrial process yep. and the packaging and all of that um, but that you have to realize that that we're not disregarding their education and what they're able to help you with it's just their training is different if you are diagnosed with certain things and you need medication for treatment like it's a great resource but we're also encouraging you to look at the preventative side of things right. and the holistic approach yeah. to come at it full circle. Yeah. I mean, I am reading uh, Dr. Mark Hyman's new book, What the Heck Should I Eat? I because, can't wait to read <laughs> because that. It looks so there's good. There's so much freaking confusion around it, and we will get into that in a different episode. But I have, yeah. I got, 
in the mail, California requires continuing education for nurses. And I was just skimming through because the first thing that I could get educated on is diabetes and stroke. And I love education, guys. You know I love education. So I'm nerd alert. Nerd alert. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be so alarming to people anymore. But I think they figured I it know. out that this is what we do with our free time I here. Know, I can't help it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Um, but according, this is, this is a new research. So according to the American Diabetes Association, the prevalence of diabetes has increased 382% between 1988 and 2014. Holy crap. 382%. And what has happened between 1988 and 2014? Food. Like food has gone berserker. Um, <laughs> It really has. <laughs> to say the oh least. Oh my gosh. Um, the invention of Lunchables has happened. Um, the separation between farm and person has happened. We are so disconnected right. with food. Um, and it is estimated that as of 2014, 9.3% of the U.S. population or 29.1 million Americans have diagnosed diabetes. And it's actually not distinguishing between type 1 or type 2 there. So I'm not going to, I don't know. I think it's lumped together. But in those statistics and in that article, did they address that fact that we're sharing with food and nutrition potentially being a culprit? Or are they just, those are just facts. And then then it continues. It it doesn't really dive into that, actually. but it's in addition to that, it's an estimated one eight point one million who have diabetes that are remaining undiagnosed because they just don't go to a doctor. And then it says by twenty twenty five, it is predicted that fifteen to twenty percent of all Americans will be diagnosed with diabetes. And that's most likely type two, I would assume, if they're and that's increasing twenty twenty five. That's seven years from now. Okay, that's so, scary. so seven years from now, it's going to go from nine point three percent of the U.S. population to fifteen to twenty percent. It's going to double. And these are statistics that Laura and I have been exposed to for almost a decade now, um, <laughs> and we're seeing them get worse. And I think this is why we're so freaking passionate about trying to do the preventative side of things because we see these statistics in these journals and in these science articles, but they're just numbers. There's n- never a solution. It's not addressed what we can do about it, what needs to change. And I really don't want to even get involved in the pharmaceutical industry and their approach on it because you're not going to cure or solve or reverse diabetes by just continuing to study diabetic medication. We need to get to the root yeah. cause of it. Well, when you're, when you're discussing food and um, the lack of education in the medical system about nutrition, yeah, I was I w- I just wanted to read that one thing about how diabetes has increased in 320 or sorry 82% between 1988 1988 I mean wow and 2014 so I just it's definitely I mean we most people I don't think know know what real food is they think real food is what comes from the grocery store um right. and it's as simple as that but I think that the level of disconnect between what food really is and and us is is just is vast um Mm -hmm. most kids don't know like they've never seen a tomato plant and it's just really interesting it's just really sad and i think it speaks volumes but 
Um, and I think that that's also true for people in the medical profession. A I lot of people in the, the medical, medical profession is entirely healthy to begin with. Yeah, like look at any break room in any office or like the amount of donuts that get put in the break room in the emergency room is incredible. But it's also just like packaged food, processed food, and it's constant. And it's made me so aware of the fact that the same people that are taking care of the people who are so sick are also doing the same things to themselves that are making themselves sick as well. Yeah. There's a lot of nurses that are diabetic and taking medication Absolutely. and treating their high blood pressure. Everybody is kind of looped into this system and nobody's really looking at the root cause like we're trying nope. to do at this level. Nope. I mean, and the diet culture and all of that is very deep and serious in within the hospital too. It's yeah. I want to be like, hospital people are just like you. It's like the Us Weekly catalog. <laughs> um, but, but really, but really, this is a very deep and serious problem and a lot more serious than is often given credit to, even in, yeah. even in these research studies that save staggering numbers and then just kind of drop off. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a, a stated fact, but where's the solution? Yeah. So the solution to go roundabout is what I would say is, getting your wellness visit, go in, even if you're not entirely well, even if you're like, it's too late for me. I'm already sick. Stop. Stop. <laughs> you right need there. to go right now. Go today. <laughs> in, find out where you are and start working on it. Tweak it. Um, look at your cholesterol, tweak it. Look at your, look at your numbers, look at your blood pressure, look at all of it. And don't let information scare you. You are in charge of it. It should yes. empower you. It should not scare you. Knowing something yeah. means you can do something. Like, say that again. No. Nope. Don't be afraid uh, of it. Be empowered by you it. Shouldn't be. I love that. Um, I think that, like, I posted something about how our food's being sprayed and how Agent Orange is basically being sprayed on our food. All right. And somebody messaged me right away and they were totally freaked out by it. And here's the deal with any piece of information. That's scary. It's, it was already real to begin with. Now you just know. Mm-hmm. So don't allow things to make you afraid. Look at them in the eye and do something about them. Use them as a tool. It is not to make you afraid. It is to make you empowered. Absolutely. So That's why we're here. Because Laura and I both have been discouraged, <laughs> afraid, <laughs> depressed, yeah. you know, We've, brought down to the very bottom with the information that we've uncovered, especially when we were first learning it, because it was so different from everything we had been told and everything we had learned. It, it was feels hopeless. shocking. It feels hopeless. Oh my gosh. And on so many levels. Here's the deal. I'm reading the statistic. It says by 2025. I hope by 2025, Pre and me can create a ripple effect just in our own little platform that will help yeah. you guys create a ripple effect from your own platform and it will continue to ripple. And maybe we can slow that prog- that that prognosis down. Like maybe we can slow the prediction down. Um, oh my gosh, on so many levels. That is our hope. That's the ent- entire point of us being <laughs> long and short. And then we could, yeah. But, I mean, that's why we're showing up. If we can change one life, from going down the rabbit hole of prescription medication and hospital visits and surgeries and all these things trying to put band-aids on symptoms 
then we've done our job. Like if I can help one person live a healthier life, I'll never know who that one person is because we won't be able to see what could have been. But knowing that you've done what you can to live your healthiest life is why we're here. Can I end with my um, my metaphor that I love? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Please let me end with it. <laughs> All right, guys. So I was talking to somebody a patient the other day and then I have used this several times and when I say the other day it's probably months ago because that's what I say um but I was trying to explain to them uh what medication is to their symptoms and they're a diabetic um type 2 diabetic and had hypertension and they said that they I said what are you doing for it and they said I'm taking these medicines I said no what are you doing for it and they just looked at me I said if you we're on a sinking ship and your, your boat is sinking and it has a hole in it. Would you just try to bail yourself out with a bucket or would you try to fix the hole? And they looked at me and I said, adding more pills is like getting more buckets and just dumping more water out, but your boat is still sinking. It's not until you repair the hole that it's not going to be a problem anymore. And you need to solve the root cause. Um, you don't, bailing yourself out is very important. Don't get me wrong. Like cover those acute issues, but be sure to be addressing the root cause. And that's, that's really what I want to get out. And that's the entire point of wellness. And that's the entire point of prevention. So with that, thanks for listening. Her metaphors. I love my metaphors. (laughs) I, I think that they're hopeful sometimes when I'm trying to explain things to patients, but um, maybe they're just silly. So no, I think it's so great. And it's been a little bit longer of a podcast, but we hope that you hung in there and that you got something out of it. Um, and after Brie gets back from her exciting vacation, we will go on to podcast four. Thanks guys. And be sure to subscribe. Please show us the love by subscribing, writing reviews, giving us all the feedback so we can always improve and make sure we're talking about the things you want to hear about most. And like we said at the beginning of the podcast, we'll be in Phoenix, Arizona on April 29th over that weekend for a one day wellness event. Definitely join us. It's called She Day and check that out on shechangeseverything.com. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. We're going to be start, we're going to start sharing a ton of fun facts and maybe plug in some of Laura's metaphors here and there too <laughs> to keep everyone entertained. <laughs> Um, at Critical Conversations on Instagram, and we'll be uploading podcast episodes to our website as well, criticalconversationspodcast.com. Thanks, guys. Bye.